The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Reverend Galen McDowell, and I am the executive minister, senior assistant minister, and the director of the Johnny Coleman Institute at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells, senior minister, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. I'm in the midst of a series titled Exploring the Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer, and I'm really enjoying this book, and this is why I've been taking uh, such a long time in teaching the chapters. Now, I did take a couple of breaks. In other words, the last two weeks, I did some interviews of some people that I hope that you really enjoyed because I felt as though those folks, those two men, uh, Reverend Mark Hicks and uh, Reverend Shad, had great content and they're doing great work in the world. And I want to make sure that I highlighted it and brought it to you. But today we're going to get back to exploring the power of intention and Today, I'm going to be teaching chapter six, intention and infinity, intention and infinity. And it starts off with a very powerful statement. Dr. Wayne Dyer wrote on page 111, put this book down and say out loud, I'm not from here. Let The meaning of the words be clear to you. The meaning is that you are in this world, but not of this world. Now, obviously, that's a play on words from what Jesus said. I'm in the world, but not of it. In other words, that as a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law, you transcend what you call, what we call existence. You are a eternal being having a human experience and a body that functions in time and space, but you are more than your body. And it's important to remember that because when you recognize that you are the life of God in expression, literally, it changes your perspective. God is life. There's only one life, the life of God. 
And I am one with that life. I am the very self-expression of that life. So when we have that awareness, we can go forward. Then he wrote on page 112, you've emerged from a universal field of creation that I've been calling intention. In a sense, this universal mind is totally impersonal. It is pure love, fondness, beauty, and creativity, always expanding and endlessly abundant. You emanated from this universal mind. And as I keep telling you, universal means everywhere and at all times. In other words, infinite. As long as your wishes are aligned with the forward movement of this everlasting principle, there's nothing in nature to restrict you from attaining the fulfillment of those wishes. All right. Now, it's one other thing that he, that before I start breaking this down, that I want to address that he wrote in this paragraph, because I think it's one of the most important parts of this paragraph. Life is eternal, and you spring from this infinite no thing called life. This infinite no thing. Now, I often tell people God is no thing, so God can be anything and everything and all things. But only something that is no thing can be anything. I want to make sure that's clear. So God as infinite life expresses as particular you. Hopefully that lands. God as infinite life expresses as particular you. This is what it means to be the image and likeness of God. You are eternal. Your life did not begin with birth, and it does not end with what we call death. You are eternal. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it reads, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I just want that to land before you were formed in your mother's womb, before the biological act that allows the sperm cell and the ovarian egg to collide, to create the physical you. Before all of that, I knew you. Before you had a name, before you had a, a, a gender, before you had a, a race, before you had parents before you had any relatives, before you had an education, before you had a job or a career, or you were somebody's whatever, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, before you were a student or an employer or an employee, before you were any particular religion uh, or had a religion or no religion, before all of that, I knew you. Who was the you that God knew before you even formed in your mother's womb? Spirit, life, life eternal. Life, the eternity of life is showing up in space and time through a physical body called you, through a personality called you. So he goes on to say on page 112, we all live on a stage where many infinities gather. That's called the human experience. All right. 
We are in an infinite, never-ending, never-beginning universe. And life is infinite. So I, I love what he wrote on page 112 at the bottom. He said, now play close attention to this next sentence. If life is infinite, then this is not life. Hmm. Now, what I want you to get what he's saying, because spiritual teachers have to teach metaphorically to get people to understand it. He's not saying you're not alive. He's saying this perception of what we call life is not life. It's our perception of life. It's how we understand life. It is our awareness of life. It's not life itself. Because life is infinite. Life is eternal. Life has never been sick. Life has never been tired. Life is perfect, whole, and complete. And you are life. Life can show up in a particular physical form for a particular amount of years. But life is not determined by or dictated by your body. Your life before you come in the form and your life when you leave this form. Your life if you pick up another form. And you'll be, you'll be life when you drop that form. Because life is. All right. So he wrote, anything you experience other than eternal is simply not life. It's an illusion created by the ego, which strives to maintain a separate address and identity from its infinite source. So we believe that we're separate from life eternal. We believe that we're, we've been separated from good, from God, and that is a lie. That is an illusion. That is the myth. Regardless of what you have gone through in your life or maybe might go through, the truth is still, I'm a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law. Uh, the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman used to often say, I'm an idea walking around in the mind of God. Just think about that. I'm an idea in the mind of God. Just allow that to land. I'm an idea in the mind of God. Perfect. You should say perfect, whole, and complete. Prosperous, good looking. You know, she was so expressive in how she taught things. But it was to get the point across. What could I ever really lack if I really knew at a deep subconscious level? that I'm an idea in the mind of God. Can anything lack anything in the mind of God, in the mind of, in the mind of divine principle, in the mind of universal spirit, in the mind of omnipresence, omnipotence, and omniscience? I'm an idea. In the mind of God, perfect, whole, and complete, lacking nothing. All that I need, I already have. All that I need, I already am. And my awareness of this truth brings it into expression. Mm. 
I don't have to fear death because there is no death. I'm life. I am life. Whether that's the death of the body, the death of a relationship, the death of a job, the death of a business, the death of, of, of a friendship. It doesn't make a difference what the death is. I don't have to fear death because there is no death. I am life. I am the idea and divine mind of activity. That's what life is. So he goes into your fear of the infinite. And he talks about having an understanding that the physical you is going to leave here one day and you're still life. But the ego, the human personality, the personal will can't contemplate without spiritual discernment. The thought of you not being here. It reminds me of when my mother made a transition. And you know, I had been taking care of my mom uh, before she passed. I moved her into my home. And, you know, I had to do, you know, take her to the doctor's appointments and give her the shots and make sure she had a medicine and all this other stuff. It was a whole handful. Having people coming into my and out of my house watching my mom, several of them who I did not know well, but I just had to trust God that everything would work out. And then, you know, she got, you know, had the situation where she eventually got ill, ended up in hospice and then passing away. And what's interesting in that space was the space between her being ill in my house and she had a whole encounter, like, you know, heart attack in the house, flatline, they had to bring her back, brain dead, hospital flatline five more times until we were like, hey, don't try to bring her back. And then she was in, in, a, in, in a vegetable, vegetative state until she passed. And I realized as I was working through that process of watching someone, you know, the woman who, who was the physical channel through which my physical life came into expression, who was a wonderful mother, without a doubt, a great mom, uh, who was not only loved by me and my sister, but was literally the secondary mother for almost all of my friends growing up. They all came over to talk to my mom about life and their relationship problem. And my mother would help them uh, figure out how to get back with their girlfriends. But anyway, I digress. It made me, it that situation prayerfully pushed me into a space. And when I say push, I mean literally push because I had to get my mind right around. Everything that was happening. And it was happening so fast that I had to find my spiritual center. I can remember being in the hospital after the situation happened at my house and my mother was in the emergency room. And after my sister and I signed the paperwork for not, re not revive her again, if, if she flatlines, my sister passed out. Um, so my mother was moved to ICU and my sister's now in the emergency room. Because the stress just took her. And I'm sitting there like, okay, God, I know to whom as much is given, much is required. But man, <laughs> you know, I was just kind of in the space. But 
through my prayer and meditation of that time and eventually having to, you know, officiate my mother's service, take care of all of her business and all of those type of things. I developed for a short time, and I'm not saying that I'm there now, but for a short time, I had no sense of mortality. None. And I wouldn't speak on this except for the fact that it was my experience. I had no fear of physical death. I had no concept of anything outside of life eternal for my mother, for myself, or anybody else. I was completely in the zone when it came to an awareness that God is life. And that's all there is. That was my space. And I can just remember just sitting in the space where people were like, oh, you know, you know, people thought I was supposed to, you know, grieve a certain kind of way and things of that nature. And I had no grieving process. I'm not saying that grieving processes are wrong. I'm saying I hadn't, I didn't have a grieving process. I didn't feel as though I lost anything. I didn't feel a lack of anything. All I felt was I'm one with everything, including my mom. And there is no death. There really is no death. And to get into that space, and again, because I loved her and still do love her that much, to deal with the situation that I was dealing with at the time, I had to go so deep within the truth of my being that a new level of consciousness emerged. Now, I wish I can say that 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 completely maintained up until this day, and that was 12 years ago. I'm not going to say that it has, but I know that it's possible now. And that's what I didn't know in experience before. It was theoretical before. Now I know via my own experience that you can be so high in consciousness that not even the physical death or transition of one of the people that you love the most in life can disturb the calm peace of your soul. I know that it's possible because I lived it. I know that it's possible because I experienced it. I know that it is possible because everyone around me was, was looking as I was preaching sermons and literally preached a sermon where I asked the congregation to pray with me that my mom releases the body and moves on to her new experience in God. Who goes on the platform and asks the people for your mother to make a transition? But I knew my mother didn't want to live in a body that didn't work as a vegetable. It was time for her to release it and let it go. There are levels to this spiritual understanding that transcend our human intellectual concept of this truth. Life is eternal. Life is eternal. I am an infinite soul. You are an infinite soul. Your loved ones are infinite souls. Everyone, infinite souls. As he wrote, as Wayne Dyer wrote on page 115, the spirit is present in its entirety everywhere 
which includes you. You can never, ever be separate from it. I'm one with God. I'm one with all people. I'm one with all life. I'm one with the one. I'm one with God. Just sit down and contemplate what that means. I'm one with infinity. I'm one with omnipresence, all the presence there is. I'm one with omnipotence. I'm one with all the power there is. I'm one with omniscience, all the wisdom or intelligence there is. I'm one with God. I'm really one with God. I'm really, really one with God. As Jesus said, the Father and I are one. When you see me, you see the Father. Can you behold the Christ in you? When you look at you, when you're thinking of you, can you see the Father? Because that's the truth of who you are. I'm going to stop for a quick moment to take a quick pause. We'll be right back with Truth Transformed. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm in the midst of teaching again, Exploring the Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer, based upon the book, The Power of Intention. And I'm on page 115. He wrote, the question then becomes not when you when your body is going to die, but rather what side of infinity do you wish to live? And what that means is this. You can live in a consciousness of I am life eternal now. And when I make my transition. Or you can live in fear and dread of that, and then you still have to experience it. Mastery shows up when you can live as a spiritual being in the human experience. Hmm. As I was just mentioning about my mom, I was in a state of consciousness, a level of awareness where I saw no separation anymore. Everything was connected. Everything was whole. I had no pain. I had no misery. I had no grief. Because I really believe God is all there is. Now, I'm not saying that that's something you can fake. What I am saying is, it's possible for you. It's possible. It's possible. 
life is eternal. I am the life of God that has no beginning or end. I am infinity in expression. I am manifested life. And you can leave this body, and I believe this wholeheartedly, without fighting it, without being sick or anything else. You can just lay it down and move into your new experience in God. I think our inner resistance doesn't allow us to leave the body peacefully at times. You know, um, I guess this is a time to just share stuff. So this is coming up. So I'm just going to share it. So much stuff I want to teach in this chapter. But another personal experience. So uh, my maternal grandfather uh, in the uh, early 90s developed Parkinson. We didn't know he was ill at first. He had a couple of strokes and. And then this developed, and he hid it because he was an old school Mississippi type guy. And when I, I call old school Mississippi guys the tough of the tough, you know, you never, I never saw my grandfather sit growing up, ever. You know, he always woke up five something in the morning, even as a retired person, and he was he was just tough as nail. So when he got ill, it was difficult it was exceptionally difficult for my grandmother and as the dis-ease in his body started to lock his body up if people are familiar with parkinson's they know what that does to the body it got to the point we couldn't take care of itself couldn't clean bathe feed itself whatever we had to do all of that um you know take him to the hospital doctor's appointments that was always me my grandmother didn't want anybody ambulance coming to get him when he had issues i would have to get up pick him up put him in my car take him to the hospital where his doctors were my grandmother just didn't want to chance it i remember talking to my grandmother about letting my grandfather go and i said you know granny you know it's selfish to keep him here like this she would just i would hear her praying about it but you know you know for god you know to, to heal him which is great i'm for that but also god to keep him here and I was like, don't pray to keep him here if he has to stay like here, Grand, like this, please. And of course, she gave me some choice words around that. No curse words, but some choice words. Uh, <laughs> and I can remember being in the space of, we were at um, Mercy Hospital. And I drove, I went and picked my grandfather up, took him to the hospital. He, at that point, he wasn't talking, couldn't barely move, barely, couldn't do anything for himself. And uh, I'm in the hospital room with my, in the emergency room with my grandmother. My mother was outside. And I'm probably told this story recently somewhere else. I don't even remember now. I talk and teach so much. But this is fresh on my mind because I'm sure I just taught this somewhere. And I can remember my sister was in the room and my sister and my grandmother left the room. And I just looked at my grandfather and I just said to him, you know, granddaddy, you know, you've been the man in this family a long time. And if you 
want to stay here, then stay. I said, but if you want to leave, I'll take care of your late, your girls. That's what he would say, my girls. I would, I'll take care of your girls, which meant at that time, my grandmother, my mother, and my sister. And I just said to him, I'll take care of them. I'll be the man of the family. If you want to leave, it's okay. I'll take care of them. And he just looked at me. He, I mean, he was looking at me intensely. And my grandmother and my sister came back into the room. And with the last little bit of energy he had, his hand reached up toward me and he looked at me. And he was able to mutter two words. Bye-bye. My grandmother was like, oh, we're not going anywhere. Don't worry about it. We're going to be here with you. And that was one, it was early morning, like maybe one, two o'clock in the morning. We took him back home. And before noon, like 11 something, he had made his transition. I believe in my heart that he was staying because even in his compromised state, he was the man of our family. He was a, the anchor. And even in that compromised state, he'd rather be here and make it until he knew that it's going to be okay, granddaddy. You don't have to continue to fight this. I'll take care of them. You don't have to worry about this. I got this. And I believe in my heart, and I can't prove this, but I believe in my heart. I gave him permission to leave with peace. He didn't have to fight his body to stay in a space just to make sure his wife was okay or his daughter was okay or that his grandchildren were okay. He could make the decision to say, okay, God, I'm ready and let that body go. Now, I know this is a deep conversation and I pray that it's not triggering to anyone. But I can only speak about my experiences. Understanding that life is eternal gives us good lessons. And sometimes the reason why people, I believe the reason why some people stick around in bodies that don't work is because they have people who are emotionally holding them here. And it's our job, in my opinion, to let people let go of the human experience so they can move into the new experience and to the presence of God. When they have a body that doesn't work anymore, when they've been ravaged by illness, when they have a body that doesn't allow their mind to function, and yet we're holding them here with, because we don't want to to be away from them physically because we want them to be in our space because we want to see them. We want to hear them. We want to touch them. And we forget that that's an infinite soul who came here for a purpose. And when that purpose is fulfilled or when that body no longer allows them to fulfill that purpose, they have to release it and let it go so that soul and move forward. Life is eternal. You are 
an infinite soul, and so is everyone else. You temporarily function in time and space, but you're past time and space. Rumi wrote on page, I'm skipping some stuff because I wanted to be finished with this chapter today. So whenever I don't teach you, I have to go read. Rumi wrote, he quoted Rumi on page 120. You were born with potential. You were born with goodness and trust. You were born with ideals and dreams. You were born with greatness. You were born with wing. You are not meant for crawling, so don't. You have wing. Learn to use them and fly. You weren't born to suffer, just go through a human experience, suffer through life and move on. You're the image and likeness of God. You deserve better. Moving on. It, when you understand that you're an infinite being, he wrote that it creates a sense of the possible. He wrote, creation acts upon the everlasting possibility that anything that is thought of can be. Wow. Anything that is thought of can be. Do you hold it in your mind? You're an infinite being. You're an eternal being. And what you can hold in consciousness can be. This is why Johnny Coleman used to always say, I am the thinker that thinks the thought that makes the thing. I am the thinker that thinks the thought that makes the thing. Really want that to land. I'm the thinker. I think the thoughts that make the things. Then he quoted George Bernard Shaw on page 121. You see things as they are and you say, why? But I dream things that never were. And I say, why not? Be in the space to where you can say, why not? Be in the space where you can say, okay. I can see myself above and beyond the experiences that I'm having right now, spiritually, financially, physically, relationally, emotionally. I see a greater good. My consciousness is not going to live in limitation. This is the beauty of imagination, and this is why he keeps coming back to this book in this book about the power of imagination. And I started this book off by uh, teaching what he taught about Neville Goddard in the book because Neville Goddard was the king of teaching about the power of imagination, that undisputed king, in my opinion. Because when you recognize that your imagination is the creative power of God, then it changes life. If I can think it, it is possible, which creates a sense of awe. When you're in a sense of awe, you're grateful for 
what you are one with. You recognize what you're connected to and why that matters. He wrote, being in a great in a state of gratitude actually creates magnetism. And of course, a magnet draws things to itself. So the more things you are grateful for, the more things you allow to of like manner to be drawn in your life. When you take the P off of praise, you have raised. That which you praise, you raise. When you have an attitude of gratitude, when you have an attitude of thanksgiving, you are saying to your consciousness, I want more of this. You're saying to universal law, I want more of this. So gratitude, thanksgiving, and praise actually enhance and develop your consciousness, and it develops the love in you, and love is a magnet. You're connected to something much bigger than your family background or your ethnic background or your gender background or your orientation background. We put every label on ourselves except for I am a part of the infinity of God. I'm connected to the source of all good, the source of all creation. Myrtle Fillmore, the co-founder of Unity, had a statement when she was working through her healing of her body. Really, Myrtle Fillmore really is the founder of Unity. She was married. So when they officially started Unity, Charles Fillmore was along for the ride by that time. But Myrtle really is the origin. Her healing testimony is the origin of the Unity movement. And she she heard a statement that changed the game for her by going to hear one of Emma Curtis Hopkins' students who was teaching Christian science, not Christian science, Mary Baker Eddy version, but what was considered general Christian metaphysics back then. It was a generic term before it became a specific term. Anyway, the statement was, I'm a child of God, therefore I do not inherit sickness. I am a child of God, therefore I do not inherit sickness. People think that their genetics are determining who they are. And, and Myrtle Fillmore heard a statement from this guy who said that the only thing you can inherit is from your true spiritual parent, your true spiritual father, mother, God. And that means you inherited God's life, God's power, God's wisdom, God's substance, God's love. which then creates what he calls a sense of generosity. And he wrote, if you can't see an infinite universe with infinite supply and infinite time and an infinite source, you will be inclined to hoard and be stingy. Hmm. So when you realize that you're connected to the all, you can be generous because you know that, that as Johnny Coleman used to say, you can't outgive God. Then there's a sense of knowing. The ability to, to understand. Ability to, to think and act above what we call the average and normal human experience. Well, you know that no weapon formed against me can prosper. When you know that before, I, before you call, I have already answered. When you get to the space of be still and know that I am God. 
when you know that the father who sees in secret will reward you openly. It creates passion and a sense of belonging. And I'm not going to drill down on those as much as I'm just going to say, as you read this chapter and you work with this concept called eternal life, then when you really start to function from the standpoint that God is life, it changes the game. So I just want you to just ponder the possibility. As we go into the next part two of the book and start dealing with specific things, now that we have the general principles of the book from part one, that you just stop and contemplate and just think about the thought. Uh, this is one of the, the, the opening statement at Christ Universal Temple that we used for many years. I am one with God. I am one with all people. I am one with all life. I am one with the one. What about this money situation, these bills? And you go right back to I'm one with God. I'm one with all people. I'm one with all life. I am one with the one. Well, what about what she said and he said? And what about this job? And what about this business? And what about this whatever? I am one with God. I am one with all people. I am one with all life. I am one with the one. And you can add stuff to it. I'm one with the source of all good. I am one with all the abundance in the universe. I am one with all the divine health in the universe. I am one. I am one with it. And just contemplate that and contemplate that and contemplate that. And like Jacob told God in the book of Genesis, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. So hold on to the idea, contemplate the idea, pray on the idea, meditate on the idea until you get your revelation and then realization. Because once you get the realization, you can live it. Thank you for listening today. I hope that this lesson today impacts you. I impacts you. I shared a lot of personal information, but I did so with the understanding that I believe that can help you get your breakthrough. Life is eternal. Live as if you were and are an eternal and infinite being because that's the truth of who you are. We are one with God. We are one with all people. We are one with all life. We are one with the one. God bless you and I'll be with you next week with True Transform. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.